0: Thank you. What a great morning so far. Well done to all those that have been involved on stage. Um, Let's pray. God, we thank you um, for this church. God, even in the midst of coronavirus, it's great to gather. God, it's great to be amongst your people. God, to love one another, to encourage one another, to spur one another on. And I pray, God, that you would do just that right now in this moment with your word, with your... Use me, God. But I pray you'd use each and every one of us, God, to receive something from you this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. It's great that we can come to church. It's great that we can feel so welcome. I think, actually, if you ever go to a place, it doesn't have to be a church. It could be um, any other environment where you don't feel welcome, where you walk in and you feel awkward. It can be quite awkward. A difficult experience for you. I've got an example. I won't name any names, but um, I run quite regularly. I quite often do a park run. And on one occasion, I decided to do a different park run, one that I wouldn't normally do. I won't name names because it'll put you off. But I would say, get exercising, get running. It's good for you. But for this, this um, I'm, a, I'm a big park run fan but I went to a different part run. And I forgot, if anyone has ever done a part run, you have a barcode, which is your unique barcode that you can scan at the end to get your recorded time, and it goes on a website, and it's your time. Now, it's your responsibility as the runner to bring your own barcode. But because it was a different part run, it was a different journey, it was a different scenario, I forgot. Now, it's okay if you forget, you just don't get a recorded time. You can still run, it's not like a ticket, but you you have to face up to somebody at the end and say, I'm sorry, but I forgot my barcode. Now, on this occasion, I was expecting just to hand my barcode and say, you know, a little bit of laughter, a little bit of, oh, I'm sorry, I'm so forgetful, silly silly me. And off I go and have my drink and have my ice bath and I finish the day. But no, this person, I don't know what side of the bed they got out of, but they said, I won't use the language because it could not be shared in church and it cannot be shared um, in front of young people. But I got I got said, you lazy something. Now, I have not been back to that part where I probably never, ever will go back because I had a bad experience where I was not made to feel welcome. I forgot something and I was told how bad a person I am for doing it. We can go in environments. Anyone else have an experience? You don't need to share now. It's not an open floor. But any experience where you've you've gone somewhere and it's been awkward, it's been... Far from welcoming. I'm a new dad. Well, fairly new. We have a little baby. She's two now, so I guess I can't say a new dad. She's a toddler. Um, Fast forward, I need to get back with the times. But anyway, Abigail means that me as a dad, me as a male, an alpha male, you know, I get to go to places that I wouldn't normally go to. First of all, there's so many places out there. Now, society is improving, but there are so many places that I go to still where the, the baby change is in the ladies' toilets. It's not in a disabled loo. It's not in a unisex loo. It's not in the male. There's places you go to, and as a man, you can't go in there. So where do I change Abigail's nappy? On the floor. On a bench. I'm not made to feel included. I went to a messy play. So any dads or mums out there, you'll know what a messy play is. And I walked into this environment. Now, fortunately, I had an ally, I had Steph with me. But quite often, I have a day off on a Friday and I'm on my own. It's flying solo, me and Abigail. I walked into this messy play. I won't name the names because it's, you know, I don't want to deface, deface anyone's reputation. But I walked into this environment. And the looks I got as a man in a female-dominated environment. You know, there were children of, of both genders. But there were, everybody else was a mom. A female. Maybe there's one or two nanas, there was no other dads. I was made to feel so uncomfortable and so grateful that Steph was there that I did this honestly. I left the messy play and I went and sat in the car for two hours to wait for them to finish. I felt uncomfortable. It was a female dominated environment and I felt like I didn't fit in. You might have a story yourself. School. I was in top set maths. For three weeks before I was demoted to second set, I didn't fit in math. I didn't fit in textile class. I didn't fit in cookery class. It wasn't my thing. You probably have your own scenario or your own story. What about as a Christian? The Christians in the room. Have you ever been in an environment where you just think, I don't want to be here? Anyone that's ever been to uni or you kind of live a lifestyle where maybe you had some house parties or some nightclubs to go to and you think, this is far from where I want to be. There is stuff happening that I don't condemn them for it. I don't beat them with a stick for it. I just don't want to hear that today. I don't want to be called that today. I don't want to see that in front of me today. I feel uncomfortable. I feel like I am an alien, a stranger. I do do not fit in. We can all feel that a little bit with this coronavirus. I don't fit in in my own country. Where am I? Who am I? What, what are we, do we trust each other? Do, are we going to infect each other? I just feel like we're, we're in a time where people are unsure. People feel as if they're not welcome. People feel as if they are not accepted. So if there's anyone in the room, the reason I start in this way, if you feel in any way at any point in your life, isolated, an alien, a stranger, a wandering nomad, somebody who doesn't fit in, a misfit, somebody who hasn't got a place, then I believe what I'm about to share in the next 20 minutes will encourage you, will set you off for the rest of the day, hopefully, and not only for the day, hopefully the rest of the week. There's a man Two weeks ago, we had a guest speaker, Stephen Matthew, and he preached about a man called Peter, the Apostle Peter. And I'm going to preach on Peter again, um, because Peter was a great guy. We're in a series at the moment called Lift the Standard. Sarah preached last week um, about a different standard. What Jesus did on the cross, he set a different standard. We now have a different standard to adhere to. And I'm going to continue today in that series. We're lifting. It's part of our vision, our focus for the year to lift a standard. And now Peter, as Stephen Matthew said a couple of weeks ago, was previously called Simon. And there was a point in time where Jesus said, I'm going to give you a new name. You are Peter. And on this rock, on this revelation, on this understanding of you discovering who you are, Peter, I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And we know the story. We read, it in, we read the life story of Peter and we understand that today we are in church because of, partly because of what he did as an apostle and how he started the early church. So we owe, we owe a lot to Peter. But again, as Stephen Matthew covered in his message, he denied Jesus at his hour of need three times. He said, I don't know that guy. He lied. But thankfully, at the end of that section of the Bible, Jesus reinstates him three times to say, I love you. I affirm you. You're the man, Peter. You are the rock. So Peter writes a letter to a church. So this is where the rest of my message is going to be. So that same man, that apostle, that, that guy that had a great um, what's the word, sort of initiation moment, a moment of great affirmation. You are the rock. You are the man, Peter. And he messed up. But then Jesus reaffirms him. I think he at times would have felt a stranger, an alien. He would have felt as if he had let Jesus down. He would have felt as if he didn't fit in. So let's read the first line of this letter that he writes. To churches who themselves would feel as if they are aliens and strangers. Because he's writing to a church in Turkey, modern-day Turkey, and these churches would have been persecuted by Greek people around them. They would have been violently and verbally persecuted by the Roman people around them. They were people who were oppressed and hurting. They were new churches. They were new people to faith. They were struggling. And Peter's writing some encouragement to them. So it could be as if he's writing to you. If you are finding this coronavirus too much, if you're finding your life too much, listen to what Peter says. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing... Here's a great phrase for you to God's chosen people who, like I've said a few times already, who are living as foreigners in the province of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. (laughs) Just roll off the tongue. (laughs) So is he writing to encourage them in the middle of a storm, in the middle of suffering, in the middle of persecution, in the middle of feeling like they're strangers and aliens. Now, if you look at the people of God throughout the Bible, throughout the history of the Bible, they were slaves in Egypt. They had no identity. They had no national security. They were slaves for so many years. They then were wandering in the wilderness, wandering. They were nomadic people. They had no place to call home. Then they were, you know, they were exiled. They were, they were defeated in battle. Then they were exiled, and they were sent from their own nation, and they were scattered and dispersed. The people of God have a history of feeling like the outcasts, of feeling like the underappreciated, of feeling like Strangers in their own country. I would say that's not too dissimilar sometimes to how life is still today. We as Christians, we feel as if we should be happy all the time. We feel as if we should fit in all the time. Because we're called and, and mandated and we're on assignment from God, we should, have the, we should be the most secure people in the entire world. But it feels like we're on the minority at times. We feel as if we're the only person in our class who's a Christian. We feel as if we're the only person in our office who is a Christian. We feel as if we're the only person in the world who's a Christian. So thankfully, there's at least you know, 200 others <laughs> that we can call upon to say, actually, I'm not on my own in this. So... This is where I'm coming to in my letter, or not my letter, Peter's letter, but in my sort of message this morning. And it comes from um, the letter, the the letter continues in in chapter 2. I'm going to, do I skim it? Yeah, I'm going to read it all. Time is okay, 23 minutes. As you come, this is verse 5 of chapter 2. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, even Jesus was rejected, but chosen by God. There's that word again. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So the the stone, Jesus, is precious to some and just nothing to others. Sounds a bit like the world we live in. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. And here's the key phrase. Here's the key verse. Here's the thing that you will hopefully go away from this message, if nothing else. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I think we've got an image on screen to summarize. In case you want a a take-home message for today, if you were walking in here feeling like you don't fit in, you're lost and isolated, well take this as as a... Screenshot this or whatever you want to do. I'll send it to you on email. <laughs> chosen people, you're chosen. Royal priesthood. Holy nation. God's special possession. Mic drop moment. That's all I need to say. Now, let me unpack that in a few mom- minutes. Because the question is, do you actually believe that? Ooh. It's a lovely thing to put on your fridge. Ah, you could add that as a screensaver or kind of your Facebook profile kind of cover, cover photo. But actually, do I believe it? How actually, if you do believe it, how should I be living my life in light of this? Should I be living differently? Sarah talked about a different standard. Maybe I need to live my life differently. We'll read a bit more of the letter that Peter writes. Verse 10 chapter 2. Once you were not a people. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? But it's true. They weren't. But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. So with that in mind, we can't stay the same as before we knew that. I can't unknow that information. I can't now not know that I'm chosen. So I have to change how I live. I cannot stay the same knowing that, that I am chosen. I'm a royal priesthood. It's easier to think negatively. It's easier to put myself down. I'd much rather do that. I find that so much more easy than actually bigging myself up and actually saying, you know what, Ben? You're chosen. You're a royal priest. But I need to change something in my life. You're no longer rejected. You're no longer a slave. You're no longer insignificant. You're no longer unimportant. You're no longer unclean. You're no longer lost. Which leads me to my title, which is this. Lift your standards. Lift your standards. Before I knew God, I'd accept anything. I'd accept anyone. I'd, I'd do anything for, the, for popularity. I'd, I'd, I'd want to feel accepted and loved. But it's time to lift your Standards. So let's go through those four things really quickly. Firstly, chosen people. Do you know that you're chosen? Because Peter's writing to, let me try and put this simply because of time. He's writing to Gentile people, which means these are people that weren't born Jewish. And if you know anything about Jewish history, the Jewish people were the children of God, they were the accepted chosen people. He's not writing to them. He's writing to people that like you and me who are not Jewish, weren't born Jewish, who have converted to Christianity and found Jesus. He's writing to them and calling them. He has the audacity to call them. The the outsiders, the insiders, the chosen people. No longer do you need to be born Jewish. No longer do you need to have a long lineage and, and you have to trace your lineage back to Adam. No longer. We're all chosen. We are all chosen people. In fact, Peter goes somewhat, he, he goes crazy with it. He actually calls us living stones. And if you know anything about Jews, they love the temple. He, he says, you're like the temple. You're part of the temple. The, the temple was so sacred, so holy. And you're like the temple. You're so good. He uses all this This um, Jewish and accepted language to talk about people who are not accepted, who are outsiders, who are in the wilderness. He uses all this language to say, you are in the in crowd. You're on the team. You made the cut. You're not on the outside anymore. You're chosen. You might be suffering going through coronavirus. You might have a difficult time at work because you're the only Christian. But you're like the people of God, born, accepted, and chosen called by name, you're included, you're on the team, well done. Ephesians 1 verse 4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy. He chose you before he made the world. It was as if, we got to get my priorities in order, all my ducks in a row, right, I'm going to make the world later. Firstly, I'm going to choose that person. I'm going to design that person. I'm going to handpick them and say, you're chosen, then I'll make the world. Wow. You're a royal priesthood. I'm going to get on, if I have time, I'm going to get into this a little bit more in a moment. But you have a purpose. You have a job to do. Paul mentioned it a few weeks ago in one of his messages. You're the local priest now. When you go to work, it's even more kind of interesting now that we're talking about isolation and people being a little bit separated. We need to go to people. We need to be in our environments, work, friendship groups, neighborhoods. And we need to be the priests to the people, the people that go between man and God, we're the mediators. We're the people that, that bring people to God. That's what the priests did. Not only, I like it, not only are you a priest, but you're a priest and a member of the royal family. You're a royal priest. You're not just a second-rate priest. You're not just kind of like an entry-level priest. You're not just a sort of... Um, Zero hour contract priest. You are a royal priest. You're like the priest of all priests. You are royal. Part of the royal family. You're a holy nation. You're holy. Wow. Did you know that you are holy? Let's just take those two words separately. Holy. Set apart. You're not common anymore. You're not just dirty or insignificant. You are set apart as if you know, when, you, when you're eating your dinner and you save the best thing till last, I'm going to save the roast potatoes. You are set apart. You are the best of the best. God says, be holy because I am holy. So if he's holy and you're holy, that means you're like God. Isn't that good news to hear that you're like, you share the character of God in your holiness. So when you wake up and you make a decision, I'm going to be pure today. When you go to a nightclub and and you turn someone down, you say, I'm not going to go there. I'm making a decision to share the character of Jesus. When I'm going to not be down on myself or I'm not going to beat myself up. I am sharing in the character of the holy God. Nation, we are, we've forgotten about Brexit, haven't we? (laughs) Are we England? Are we Great Britain? Are we the United Kingdom? Are we European now? Are we not European now? Are we a nation? Are we a, Are we? Uh, what are we? Who? Who are we? Are we? You a nation? Uh, we, we now have a very common. So we have something in common with the nation of Israel. Israel. They were just the same. They're like we're in slavery. We've been defeated in war. We're wondering, we have no home. We're in exile. Who are we? Are we leaving the EU? Are we leaving Babylon? Are we, what are we doing? <laughs> are we a nation? Peter says, yeah, you are. You're a nation. You've got an identity. As Sarah was saying last week, we can raise the standard. It, the standard is who we are. We are under the banner, under the standard of Jesus Christ. We have a family. We have a connection. We're part of something bigger than ourselves. We are. A holy nation. Christians today, do we fit into this world? Do we sometimes feel like we don't? Take encouragement from Hebrews 13. For this world, verse 14, this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. So if you feel like you don't fit in, you feel like I'm the only Christian in my office and it gets me down, it's okay. It's, a perma- it's not a permanent home. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't make a difference, that you don't be kind, that you don't speak and share your faith and do what you can to see that, to see more people in your office and your school and your class saved and changed, and meet Jesus. But it's okay. It's okay. We, we, we don't actually fit in here. So if you don't feel like you don't fit in, that, that that's, that's fine. We're... Not, this isn't our permanent home. There's a home that's, a, that's ahead in eternity in heaven. And then finally, the fourth one, before I just do a couple of things practical and then I'll finish and we sing. We're God's special possession. We belong to God. He paid the full price. Jesus paid his life he, on the cross. It was as if, okay, how much does Ben cost? How much does Rob cost? How much does his soul cost? Well, Jesus, is gonna cost you your life. It's going to cost you your blood poured out. It's going to cost you your broken body. It's going to cost you being punished for the, all the sin in the world. Okay, I'll do it. Jesus went to the cross. He paid for you. You belong to him. He has the, he has the deeds to your life. He, he has the keys to your home. He, you are his possession. Don't anyone ever tell you that you're not loved. You, you don't belong somewhere. You are God's Possession. You're adopted into his family. So, how do we do? How are we going to practically, final kind of section in this message, how are we actually going to lift our standards? So, many of us in the room, and I still get guilty of it, I can have, and I've said this from this platform many times before, I can have verbal diarrhea and an offload to Steph where I do I say things that are far from a Christian a Jesus believing person should say I say things bad about myself I say negative things I think horrible things about myself I put myself down but I need to lift my standards if 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 I'm a chosen royal priest I need to lift my standards so what do I need to do a few things and actually Paul's I feel like today, I'm just summarizing a few of the messages that have happened recently. <laughs> it's just like, if you, if you kind of missed church the last eight weeks, just listen to this one. It kind of, no, don't, don't. <laughs> on Vision Sunday, Paul kind of outlined five practical things that we as a church are focusing on. These things are kind of the, the skeleton structure, the, the DNA, the, the, the blood that flows through us. This is who we are as a church. This is what we're going to be doing this yeah, The first one, this is what you can do. So if you need to lift your standards, these are the sort of things that you need to be lifting. Firstly, lift your desire to pray and worship individually and together. Because let's, let's flash up my key verse today, which is 1 Peter 2 verse 9. You are a chosen people. We get that, all those four things. I put in bold here. That you may declare the praises of him. So, you're not just given those titles and that esteem, and you're not just a holy nation for the sake of it. You're given all those great things and those great titles and that great affirmation so that you can give God the praise that he deserves. Because I could never make myself a royal priest, only he can. He deserves the credit. So, we need to lift up our standard in praise and worship individually and together. And I could go a whole message on that, but I'm just, I'm skimming. But we're going to do a song in a bit. Let's just let's lift our standard of worship in that moment. Our heart. It's not about how good you sing or how well you play. It's about your heart. I'm going to do it when there's no music. I'm going to do it when there's no Wi-Fi. I'm going to do it when Spotify's down. I'm going to do it when I, when I feel really low and I don't want to sing. I'm going to do it when I've got a sore throat. I've got no voice. Try worshiping then when your voice is shut and you can't sing that's worship worship is more than just the singing secondly this is how we're going to lift our standards secondly or or perhaps more to the point what we're going to lift lift your desire and commitment to daily disciplines it's about lifting your standards of living it's about lifting your personal disciplines you know them should we do tests? <laughs> it's reading the Bible. And not just reading it because I told you, because Paul told you, because God told you, but reading it because actually, if I don't read it, I get hungry and then I die. If I don't eat food, I get hungry and then I die. I need to treat the Bible as if it is so essential to my life that I cannot go without the Bible. You don't need to be a scholar, you don't need to read the Bible for hours. You just need some food every day. Read the Bible pray can talk to God it's not about being an eloquent prayer with all the right words and the poetic language it's about um what's the, Tim Ross who was at this uh, conference he began his messages with a prayer we all expected a great long-winded prayer and he just said um why give me what was his title drop the burden so he said so that was his title he'd introduced his title then he said let's pray God help us to drop the burden amen The prayer doesn't need to be long-winded. It doesn't need to be poetic. It doesn't need to be in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. It just simply needs to be your heart. Let's read a verse again in this letter from Peter. Verse 11. Wow, this is hard. Dear friends, I urge you, as as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. I could write a list of things that we should not be doing, and I'm not going to do that, but you know if there's something in your life that you should stop doing, commit to daily discipline, your relationships, your integrity, your behavior. So it says there, some things war against your soul. So what's good for your soul? I've mentioned a few, prayer, Bible reading, worship at home. How about some solitude with no Wi-Fi, with no data, with no phone, with no noise, with a white wall and no windows? Just silence. That sounds bliss to me. (laughs) That sounds so good. Silence. Try it. What about just simple body stuff? Exercise, sleep, rest. These are good for your soul relationships, small groups, men, don't debate whether to go to the men's breakfast. Go to the men's breakfast. Don't don't, don't even question it. Just go, "I'm, I'm going. I don't like these kind of scenarios sometimes, but I'm going because the men will do you good. Tim is speaking. He'll do you good. You need those men in your life. Ladies, you need the ladies in your life. You need each other. You need your small group. You need together, closeness, people. It's so essential. Thirdly, Lift your desire, a commitment to belonging. You're not alone. Isn't it great that we're family? Again, going back to that question I asked at the beginning, if you feel isolated, you don't feel part of something, you feel as if you're lost and wondering, and you know you belong to this family. You know that you have brothers and sisters who are looking out for you, who want the best for you. You're part of a God's family, his wider family, his eternal Isn't that good to hear? In verse 5 of the same letter I'm reading, chapter 2, it says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. We're together together. We are all stones. A few years ago, we had as as part of our focus for the vision. We're building a wall. We are together. These stones slot in together. We may rub each other the wrong way every now and then, but we are together. I'm so grateful that I can build upon some some of you, and you can build upon me, and I can sit next to you, and you can sit next to me. Isn't that good? I'm glad you agree we're in this together. Let's commit to belonging. Let's lift our standard of belonging. If you don't go to small group, if you're in a small group, but you just don't attend because you're casual, you're just not sure about whether you should go or you have, you're busy, I'm going to lift my standards this this, this week. I'm going to go. If you don't normally go to the men's breakfast because you don't like cooked breakfast, or you don't like men, or you don't like church, or you don't like early mornings, 8.30. I am going because Ben said. No, because I want to belong. I want to be together. I want to be next to another stone. That stone will make me stronger. I'm going to stand on another stone. That strong stone will make me stronger. We're together. Commit to belonging. Wow. I'm so grateful for the church because Christianity will be so hard on our own. Oh, my days. I thank you for the encouragement that you give. Even probably when I put this microphone down and I go and do my, the rest of my day, you will encourage me. I know it. So thank you in advance. Well, if this message goes, if, if it's landed okay, maybe you think, oh, actually, this is pretty rubbish. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so I feel better when Rob says it's great, Ben, because I know I'm doing okay. I'm, my flies aren't open. I'm doing all right. So thank you for your encouragement. We're doing okay, guys. <laughs> Fourthly, lift. How am I going to raise my standards? Lift my standards. Lift your desire to discover and invest your gift in. Has anyone else in the reading plan read Leviticus recently? And you've read about how um, if somebody gets an infectious disease, (laughs) they need to go into isolation for 7 or 14 days. And when after that period of time, they go to the priest and the priest says yes or no. Doesn't that sound familiar to something that is happening right now? Have you ever read Leviticus and thought, wow, this is relevant today? (laughs) oh my goodness, I've been a Christian for 20 years. And now, if if you're not sure what I'm talking about, Leviticus, it goes through chapter and verse and and heaps and heaps of language about what you should do if you get a disease, what you should do if you have a runny nose and you touch someone, what you should do if you have mildew in your house, what you should do if you have mildew in a a garment, what you should do if things are dirty or think, Wow, suddenly, thanks to coronavirus, I now understand why that is so essential. Isolation, it's key. (laughs) Because disease would spread and people would die and the church would suffer. But that wasn't the only job of the priest. You may know the priest. Again, I got, I've got two minutes. I haven't got time to go into that. But I'm going to read you a list of other jobs. Because you think about the priest as a holy man or you think about the priest in the Old Testament as somebody that would sacrifice animals. And yes, they did. They sacrificed. They made sacrifices um, for people's sins on the Day of Atonement. They would do all sorts of stuff, which I haven't got time to go into, but they were the the people that would mediate. So if I committed sin, and I would every year, you would too, I would go to the priest, and I would say sorry, and he would kill an animal. The blood would be poured out, and i will be forgiven. (laughs) Very simply, there's a whole lot more to it than that. But anyway, so not only were they religious people, they were experts in animals, I'm sure. They were, you know, they were the modern day vets or the opposite. They, they understood animals. They understood the biology and the anatomy of animals. They, um, what else did they do? They were chefs because they had to bake bread. They were, sh- uh, and, and they were bakers. They had to cook the meat. So, so they got their food from the animals that were sacrificed for people's sins. They ate the food. They were chefs. They had seasoning. They did all the stuff that Ainsley Harrit and other chefs would do. They... <laughs> They were chefs. So you think a priest is a boring guy in the Bible with a beard. No. They're bakers, chefs, experts in animals. They were teachers. Any teachers in the room? They were health professionals, as I have mentioned. They were hygienists. So they were responsible for people's um, bacteria and infections and, and, and all that kind of stuff. They were administrators. They were trumpet blowers. They blew the horn at certain times. and um, They were judges. I read this only two days ago. They were estate agents. They valued property. You thought priests were just boring old guys that were religious and they did stuff like that. But actually, when we're talking about gifting, this is a point I'm trying to make and I'm nearly there. Let us invest our gift in. You might not feel like a holy priest. You might not feel like a particularly good religious boy or girl. But you might be a baker, you might be a teacher, you might be um, an educator, you might be a hygienist, somebody who works for the NHS, but you are still a priest. Because all that the priest would do is stand in the gap between the man and God. They would do what they do, but they would do it on behalf of the people. They would mediate from the people to God. You can do the same too. There's so much gift in you. And then finally, this is how I'm going to finish Um, Let's just, whatever I said about people coming on the stage, let's just do it all now because of time. (laughs) But let's just get to the point where the fifth thing is this, and this is a good way to close, I think. Lift your desire to reach and impact your community. 2 Peter, verse 12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds. And glorify God on the day he visits us. You're a royal priest. And people are watching you. If you're a Christian, people are looking to you and thinking, let's see how they do in this difficult situation. Let's let's see how the church responds to the coronavirus. Let's really scrutinize what the church of Jesus Christ does. In a crisis, let's look at the people who call themselves children of God. Are you ready to lift your standards because people are watching? They need to see you lift your standards. Lift your forgiveness. If you don't forgive people, how can you expect somebody who doesn't know Jesus to forgive people? And if they don't forgive people, they won't be forgiven. And if they're not forgiven, they'll go... They won't know Jesus. People are watching. We need to lift our standards. Let's finish with the, the the image, the second, the final image here. The take-home message of today. You may have walked in thinking, oh, I don't fit in. I haven't got a purpose. I have no gifting. I can't bake bread. I can't teach. I can't be a priest. Maybe you, do, you believe these and you think, but I don't really live like it. Maybe it's time to lift your standards because you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession.